Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. Here, we believe success is inevitable and everything is possible. On each episode, we get real about the entrepreneurial journey and look at what it means to lean into your intuition, feel in alignment with your business, have coffee with resistance, and trust in abundance. We answer the tough questions. How can we show up authentically in business, with integrity in relationships, deeply seeking in our spiritual practice, and with grace in motherhood and beyond? This podcast celebrates the anti-hustle, healing from toxic productivity, prioritizing rest, and discovering tools that will support both your healing and business growth journeys. Your time and energy are precious resources, so thank you for being here. Your presence is a gift, and your business is thanking you. Get ready to get real, get honest, and keep growing. Hey, and welcome back to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma, and today I have been looking forward to this for a very long time. Paige and Lindsay have become sort of my I don't know, Paige, I think at one point you were like my therapist, my sleep trainer. I mean, there was a lot going on and I actually want to get into how you guys hold space for people in such challenging or high stress situations with such grace. But this is a long time coming. We're talking about sleep and sleep training today with Paige and Lindsay, who are pediatric sleep specialists and founders of the Parenting Practice of Colorado. Working with Paige, Lindsay, or one of their four sleep specialists allows parents and caregivers to feel rested and energized slash anxiety around the sleep experience and confidently know how to meet their baby or toddler's needs. They work with parents and caregivers in the continent. U.S. and beyond from pregnancy through 12 years of age. I personally used this system, these amazing people to sleep train Kathy. I've talked about it a little bit, but I've been waiting for this episode because I like to let the specialists tell us what's going on. So I just want to say welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the work you both do. I would love for you to share just a little bit more about yourselves, maybe some context, how you have created this business and how much it's grown. Cause I know pretty much everyone I know that has baby is using you guys <laughs> right now. Um, and is just so grateful for the work that you're doing. So anything that feels important to share, speak to before we jump in, welcome. And thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. This has been a long time coming. We've had yeah. to do a little bit of scheduling to get here with all of the children we all have and it's finally the time and we're just so excited and I'm also just really thrilled to see your experience continue to unfold and get better and better as time has gone on just like with the majority of our clients so that's super exciting. I'm happy to share a little bit about how we started parenting practice and how Lindsay and I met. I think that's always good. So we both have a little bit of a different journey. I came to the sleep world without a child. So I was a teacher and I was going back to school to get my master's in psychology when I realized that I wanted to do more in-home stuff. And I quickly was getting hired for behavioral support. And I very 
very clearly saw that sleep was the number one problem, you can create a behavior plan or a schedule or routine, stuff like that. But if mom hasn't slept for more than four hours in six years, she can't sustain that as hard as she's going to try. It's not going to work. So we have to start at the root of the problem and it just always boils down to sleep. And so I quickly decided to put my master program on hold, save some of that money and go to sleep school (laughs) where I met Lindsay. And we are both from Colorado. So we very quickly bonded and spent our time at the program together and grew and got to know each other. And then we decided to combine in 2021. And Lindsay came over to parenting practice. And we have just continued to grow. Our growth is kind of incredible. We've, our first year together, we've serviced over 200 clients, which is just astronomical when the year before that I was barely hitting 100 on my own. And then this year, we're definitely going to be well over that already, (laughs) which is great. And then I, again, had my daughter in 2020 and got to do our sleep farm program with her from newborn until 12 weeks of age. And my daughter, she was sleeping through the night by 12 weeks. And I got to nurse her until she was 18 months. And she's a champ. She's asleep right now. No kidding. It's the dream. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks for having us, Krista. We're so excited to be here. And it's fun to always kind of kick off and share our, our story because it does look a little bit different for me. I got into sleep after I had my first. So I have two little ones, an almost five-year-old, and then a almost two-and-a-half-year-old, and he is also sleeping. So you know, we got strong sleep skills here. But when I was pregnant with Riley, who is my daughter, I was just really interested in educating myself about all things parenting. I think all of us do that as mothers, right? Or parents in general. And sleep was just really important to me. I'm a good sleeper. I didn't want to lose my sleep. It kind of freaked me out because everybody was talking about parenthood just being this endless sleep deprivation. I was like, okay, no, thank you. So I actually had a sorority sister that was a sleep specialist. And I took her prenatal newborn sleep course when I was pregnant. Riley was born. I instituted what I learned. She was sleeping eight or 12 hours at eight weeks old. And I was like, holy moly, like there are things that we can do to help with setting a healthy sleep foundation with our children. And both of my children were sleeping 12 hours by 12 weeks. And I never had to do any formal sleep training with them. It was all just about laying really strong, healthy sleep foundations from birth. And so I was a consultant in the business industry during that time of having Riley. And I was just joking that maybe one day I would change from business consulting to sleep consulting and have more of an impact on families. And so I one day just decided I don't like the direction of the company I'm with. I'm going to do this and I'm going to help more families because I believe in the power of sleep for children, but also for families and mamas. Um, We're not our best selves when we're sleep deprived. And so I just was passionate about that. And as Paige said, decided to go to the same sleep school as she did. That's where we met. And the rest is kind of history. Thank you so much for sharing. I feel like there are so many directions that I want to go. And my goal is to hit on some really important things that I feel I want you to share and I want to be shared because let's just name it like sleep training is so controversial. And 
that is crazy to me. And so I just want to like cut through a lot of this, like why people think cry it out method is not like the difference between your gentle sleep training and all of that before we even get into anything else. But before we do that, I want to share my personal experience because just high level in what it's done for me to give some context to people listening who are just kind of curious as to like what even is sleep training and what we're talking about here. Because I went from co-sleeping in the bed, bed sharing, never having taken a nap, (laughs) not touching me or a night without us. So every nap, contact nap, every night in the bed, into her own crib, all her naps in her own crib. And that happened within two weeks of working with Paige. Since then, I've continued to learn so much about my daughter, her capabilities. But what it's really done for me is when I was ready, my husband and I at the same time were like, we need sleep. (laughs) Like we've hit that point. And I want to talk about the importance of sleep because I really feel like you guys take such good care of the parents, but especially the mama. Like I felt so seen and that's so important postpartum. And so I felt really prioritized and that was really amazing. And I think that really helped my husband prioritize my sleep in like maybe a way, yeah, that was just not as obvious. But what happened for us is we were so amped on bed sharing. We had done all this research. We absolutely loved it. It made absolutely the most sense for us until it didn't. And in that moment, we needed sleep. Kepi needed sleep. We could tell that she was like ready to nap on her own. She's a little more introverted and um, we could just tell she's more independent and this is what she needed. And so we had Paige like queued up and not very many people have this in their pocket, but our best friends who are on this podcast all the time, Emery and Trevor, Emery raves about you guys. I mean, sings from the rooftops what you were able to do for Kai. And so we had already had the proof in the pudding. We watched, we were there from like nine months old to three months later, him sleeping 12 hours. I mean, we had seen it firsthand. You saw the bouncing on the yoga ball. <laughs> yes. There was a lot of bouncing on that a ball. Lot of bouncing. Oh my God. I can still remember that time. And so we knew. And so I feel really lucky mm-hmm. because I think at that point for moms, it can be really stressful and you don't even know there's another way. And so that's why we moms like to stick together because we need to be able to tell each other about this kind of thing, which since then, so many of my friends have used Paige. And that's really my answer now is call Paige and call parenting practice because like they're going to save your life. And that's how I feel. I went from feeling like my whole life was gone because every nap, every sleep, everything happened on me to now having a language to talk about her sleep to talk about it with my partner, with our family. Not only that, you helped me with communication techniques to communicate our new sleep schedule to our families, which can be a whole nother thing. So we were very supported all throughout, but we now have a language forever. So we use wake windows all the time. We use feet, like everything that you taught us. It's almost my last episode is around the language of astrology And to me, that's a love language. And I really feel you've taught me the love language of sleep. 
and (laughs) what my baby's capable of. And not only that, and I want to get into this later, but what I'm capable of because you actually sleep trained me on our last call. And Lindsay, I am the opposite. I do not sleep. I never had a relationship with sleep. I have never had good sleep my whole life. I've never felt safe to fall asleep. And watching Kepi sleep train made me so jealous. And that's what I feel. It was the greatest gift to her, not just to us because we got our sleep back and we have this language now of like taking care of her and supporting each other as a family, but she feels safe to lie down in her crib and fall asleep on her own. And that makes me emotional after 35 years of not feeling that. I mean, I'm the girl that came home from every sleepover. I was so scared. I was in my parents' bed. There was so many hours of back scratching and singing and all of that, which is, you know, that was amazing that my mom was so supportive and attentive of me. And I never learned how to sleep. With all that love and support, it still wasn't the answer. Yeah. And so seeing this gift now that my daughter has and now that you've given our family, it's just so ludicrous to me that this would even be a controversial. (laughs) So I wanted to start by sharing my story and just saying, you know, I had a great tee up to this. So I never was a skeptic. I trust Emery completely as a mom and as a best friend. And so when you have somebody like that singing your praises, there was none of that for me. I knew I was ready. I listened to my intuition. Kepi was ready. But let's talk to the skeptics before we get any further. Why is this even an issue? What did Dr. Spock do in the 50s to ruin these boomers? Like, (laughs) what's going on here? And why is sleep on the table for discussion, you know, in any other way than let's help our kids sleep? Yeah. We get asked this every single day, I think, since we decided that we were going to be in this industry. And it's a valid question because there are a lot of loud voices out there on the internet, social media, your neighbor next door, the grandma at the grocery store. It doesn't matter, but everybody seems to have an opinion on how you parent your child. And if it doesn't fit their comfortability, then it obviously is wrong. And a lot of people are extremely uncomfortable by any level of crying. And they cannot process their way from, my child is crying, I'm going to formulate a response, and then I'm going to follow through. They just hear the cry and they black out. They go into fight, fight, or freeze. And then if you don't have a way to calm down and regulate yourself, how could you even regulate your child? So the ultimate scenario is to just not allow for any sort of crying to take place at all, which is not natural. (laughs) And it's just not sustainable. Like you are taking away your only your baby's only way to communicate with you. And crying doesn't equal trauma. Crying doesn't equal detachment. Crying doesn't equal any of that stuff as long as you are giving them what they're crying about, right? So obviously, Mm -hmm. cry it out or extinction means that you put your child in their sleep space, their crib in their own bedroom alone for 12 hours straight. And you do not return to them for any reason. Those are the guidelines of cry it out. And it was practiced. It started in like 87. 
1987. And it was a really good answer to those tired moms going to the pediatrician and saying, help me. I'm losing my mind. Nothing is working. What do I do? And so they did it. They did cry it out. And then research came along that did show that if a baby is alone and crying for too much amount of time, several days in a row, they will go into fight, fight, or freeze when they are emotionally dysregulated. And that is not ideal. So that's the extreme version. And so when you say sleep training, that's where people go. That's immediately what everyone thinks it is. Even when you say gentle sleep train, they're like, well, what's, you know, what's that? I also just want to pause because I too am in an industry where there's just a little bit of like, you have to prove yourself because I'm in marketing and people have either had bad marketing experiences or, you know, they're trying to be sold at. And so I understand like, I just want to do my job, but there's this level all the time of like having to explain or justify. And so I appreciate you doing that first because I just want to hear all the other stuff that we have to share. But I know that sometimes to reach the people we're really here to serve, it's important to hold this space because this podcast too is an opportunity for anybody who is like, considering that or even feels triggered by the word sleep training, this is for you, really. Yeah. And so from there, Ferber was developed. Ferber actually came before, cry it out, it's the original, right? But it it comes in waves where it's trending and where it's not. So in 87, cry it out became very popular. And it was the answer you get from your friends, your coworkers, your pediatrician, whatever. So that's what everybody was doing. And then as the research came out and showed, hey, this is probably not great for attachment or development. Let's pull back. What are our other options? Well, Ferber is an option. And that just essentially is a controlled cry in quotations. Um, <laughs> and controlled cry means that you do a routine, you lay baby down in their sleep space alone, and then you follow a sequence of timers and you respond regardless of what baby's doing. And you're supposed to do that for three days to a week, depending on a couple different factors, and babies should be able to soothe themselves into sleep or at least go into sleep peacefully. Ferber is a great alternative that's free, but ultimately I think where we're coming from is we would even like to be more present than Ferber. And because Ferber came out in 85, there's so much more research out there proving like there are better ways and we don't have to do cry it out or Ferber, there's an even gentler option in the middle where parents are present. And that's where our philosophy lies. Absolutely. And I think adding on to that as well, we live in a day and age where there is such in the parenting world, um, a fear of, of not having secure attachment with your child. And when you think about, let's say, cry it out, for example, you will hear, right, as Paige was alluding to, that research has shown, right, that crying it out without support for a very long period of time could result in some type of lack of attachment between you and your child. And I think that's what's floating out around in the kind of the parenting spheres and where some of those loud voices are taking that extreme and kind of putting that on just sleep teaching in general. 
And so that's why I believe there is such this visceral reaction to that word of sleep training or sleep teaching is, oh, I'm going to do this and lose all attachment with my child, right? But as Paige was talking about, there has been so much research done. And the approach that we take, as she just mentioned, right, is a gentle parent-led process. We are not asking our parents to leave their children for long periods of time. In fact, we're asking our parents to be present and to have them observe their child. Let their child direct where this goes. And if they do that, they will be most of the time just blown away by what the child can do and is capable of and what they're actually telling us as parents that they need. So I believe that the sleep teaching process is actually an amazing opportunity for us to get to know our children better and to get to know ourselves better and allow them to learn, like you have been mentioning, a long life gift, right, of being able to feel safe and secure in their sleep environment and get all that quality sleep that they need for their development. Yeah, it's just become such a beautiful ritual of like putting her to sleep and for her naps and everything that you guys taught us. And so what we have now is like a method to follow. And I think as new parents, knowing this language and having this method of putting the sleep sack on, singing her her favorite song, like having this little routine, it's so fun. And the biggest thing though for sleep training it was not intuitive. And I think as a mom, that's one thing I wanted to name because even on that three or four day hump where you get your friend calling you like, what am I doing? What did I sign up for? You know, where we all have that moment, it's like this goes against my intuition as a mom. It's primal to want to pick up your baby. And so it can feel like you're doing something wrong. And I want to speak to that because you coached me through that so beautifully, specifically around the cry scale. And now to this day, if she's in her bed and she's just hanging out, practicing her words, sucking on her thumb, you taught me how independent she is and that she's happy. Like we don't have to be tending to her in those every single moment. She's not actually asking to be taken out of the crib at all. And that's what you taught me is to listen to her cues, to let her communicate whether she's like actually trying to self-soothe or whether she needs care and to be picked up. And she guides that process. And for the time period, what I learned having to wait, because that is the piece, like I, she is crying. It is my mother's instinct to go pick her up. That's where my intuition, you know, or what I thought was my intuition was like failing me. And so in that moment, when I listened to the method and I did wait, it would take her sometimes until minute nine. And that's how long it takes a six month old to go through the cycle of calming themselves down. So if we're going in, it's almost like I'm not giving her the space to learn how to sleep. And if she, by any reason, even now, if I know at minute eight, I'm like, there's no way she's going to settle. Like I can just know at this point. So I get the bottle ready, you know, or I figure out what I'm going to do. She's a nighttime chugger. Um, again, something we've let her guide us like nighttime chugging, not normally allowed. Kepi's guided us in this different direction. We still need to get some ounces in at night. This is the name of the game. When we first started 
taking her away from contact naps and into the crib was too much. We pivoted three days in. Paige sent us back to contact naps. We let Kepi guide us. And so what I want to say, though, with the intuition piece is that's why we need guides and that's why we need experts because so many things as a mom, like we're getting so much information and so much just – I don't know, we feel so vulnerable and judged and it's a loud season. Everybody sees your kids. They know you're postpartum. It's like you can't hide the season that you're in and your intuition is really all you have. And so when you want to go in and you want to pick them up and we're being told not to, can you walk me through like that scenario and where you meet moms and how you speak to that? Yeah, you said it. So we have a cry scale that we go over with every single family until their children are basically like four. And so from there, it goes, it goes from a zero to a six and a zero is she's asleep or she's chewing on her hands or she's whatever. She's totally fine. A one, she's making those really great noises, chatting, cooing, grunting, groaning, growling, maybe. Again, totally regulated and fine, just exploring her voice and her environment. And she could even be asleep while that's happening. A two is the first sign of a fuss. And that's where we start to see some volume. There's no tears. They're usually not pulling to stand or rolling around a lot. They're just kind of like, wham. Like they can barely be bothered. And it's important to listen to their breathing in between the volume. Some babies are intense fussers and can get quite loud, but their breath is still regulated in between. And other babies just can't even be bothered to barely get a noise out there. A three is that everyday cry that we hear when they're getting out of the bathtub, they're hungry and the baba's not ready quite yet, or you're changing the poopy diaper, whatever. There's tears, it's steady, but again, the breath is regulated. So there's no hyperventilating, there's no coughing, there's nothing like that. And they are easily soothed with picking up, voice, touch, things like that, or they will start to do it themselves rocking motions, humming sounds, sucking on something, things like that. A four is where people start to lose their shit. (laughs) It's a scream. It's a holler. It's a shout. It's more angry. It's more frustrated. And most people equate this to, well, then she hates her crib. It's obviously the mattress or it's her sleep sack or it's the lighting or it's the temperature. They're probably frustrated because they're exhausted and they're frustrated with trying to fall into sleep. That's usually what it is. That was a huge, I just want to repeat that, is that they're tired and they don't know they're tired. And so she's crying because something's wrong and she doesn't know it's that she needs to fall asleep. And so that was like such a moment for me in the level four. And so sometimes she'll be at a level four cry right before she falls asleep. It's like she gives us this last like, I'm mad, but I'm going to let sleep win, you know? Yes. And that was a huge one for me, um, realizing that like – and even when she's hungry now, she doesn't know she's hungry. Like she doesn't know she's hangry. And so that's why she's going to say no to food, just like she doesn't know she's tired. What she's going to say no to sleep, it doesn't mean she's not tired. And so I learned how to like know – when she's tired and when she's hungry, even if she's saying, no, 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 I'm so mad I'm not. Exactly. 
And then if the four goes on too long, right, 10 plus minutes, they can hit that five, which is where they take that big, deep inhale. They're sucking in the world around them to just let all hell break loose. That is a hysterical cry. That's where we stop. That's where you go in. That's where you pick them up. That's where you settle them. There is nothing teachable beyond a five other than I'm here. I'm supporting you. We are okay. We're tired, but we're okay. And then when they're calm and they go back into their crib, some babies do go right back up to that five because they're still just not quite there yet. And other babies are like, that's exactly what I was asking you for. And now I'm going to drift off into sleep. So you have to be a little bit careful with those fives, depending on your specific child, age, temperament, all that good stuff. But truly, if my daughter woke up at a hysterical five, I would go in there and I would pick her up (laughs) right away. Yeah. Yeah. And then a six is where they are past the point, right? They Mm -hmm. are coughing. They are gagging. They are doing the, (laughs) they can't get themselves done. Babies don't wake up at a six. That's Mm -mm. not a thing. They can definitely wake up at a five and get to a six. But for any reason, if Kepi woke up at a six, you would go into her like you should. Right? We're checking. There's no not checking on her for 12 hours. So that's not what's happening here. We're very present. And even more so, I think, like you mentioned, Lindsay, it's like you're more connected to your kid because I know exactly how many hours she slept today. And if you're not a mom yet or don't plan on being a mom, that's a very key piece (laughs) of being a mom is knowing the hours that your baby has slept. And this obsession, what I've learned, and I was just explaining to my friend who doesn't want children, is not because we're obsessed with our kids. It's because we're obsessed with our own sleep. (laughs) And it's how we're going to rest. It's how we're going to have some type of reprieve. And so that 15 minute wake window actually does matter who's ever taking care of her because it means me not sleeping tonight. And my friend was like, Oh, got it. That's how you guys are so great. I'm like, it's for me. It's for us to have peace and mind. And it does matter the 15 minute difference. Like it does matter that she was rubbing her eyes 15 minutes ago. And so it's just been such a beautiful lesson in learning her. And like you said, from, you know, you've taught us those cues. So when she does start to rub her eyes or start to give us those cues, we look at the wake windows and we talk about it and we have a language to then decide using your method and everything we've learned how to take action. And then, of course, there is those SOS moments because our babies grow. They hit new growth edges. They hit new leaps. They're keppies right now. We're working on transitioning from three to two naps. So we call Paige again. And so I would love to share how, you know, that initial sleep train is such a focus for so many because many people have gone months, years um, with very little sleep and not ever sleeping through the night. And so teaching your kid how to sleep train over that period of time, like you said, is so important. But then it continues and we continue to learn them and we continue to adjust. So I'd love to hear more about that, like how we continue to 
take care of and listen to our kids and the cues that they're giving us to like when it's time to change the schedule kind of thing. So sleep is developmental like many other things um, in our children's lives. And as they age, right, the basis Mm -hmm. is when you were born, you need a lot, a lot of sleep, right? And as you age, your need for sleep decreases until you become fairly kind of stagnant in that as kind of an adolescent into adulthood. But because of that, there is seasons of rapid change with sleep. And because of that, you have to change, right? Oftentimes schedule um, or even number of naps, number of hours per day, all of those things will kind of play into what sleep looks like for your child at that um, age range. And so we often talk about what are some signs that you might see to indicate your child might be ready to, let's say, drop a nap or even go to quiet time or push their bedtime back, all of those things. And our rule of thumb is traditionally, if you see some type of behavior that is out of the norm for about seven to 10 days, that usually means that you're ready for a shift of some sort. And when I'm saying behavior out of the normal range, that could look like things early mornings. All of a sudden, your child was sleeping in till 7 7 a.m., excuse me, day in, day out. And all of a sudden, they're waking up earlier and earlier, and they're not able to sustain that, you know, 11, 12 hours that they had. The other one might be, okay, all of a sudden they have increased their stamina, right? So they used to be able to be going down at that two hour mark. It would take them, you know, five minutes to fall asleep. Beautiful. They take their, you know, hour to hour nap and we're good to go. Well, now it could be that they are fighting, right, to fall asleep for 30 plus minutes or what was once an easy transition is now becoming a little bit challenging. Um, On that same thread, it could be just that naps are becoming shorter in general. So maybe you had a marathon napper and that's not happening anymore as well. We also sometimes will see fighting at bedtime, same kind of concept, right? beautiful routine, baby goes in, maybe they're cooing, talking for a few minutes, and then they drift off. While all of a sudden, maybe there's intensity, fighting of bedtime, or it takes them 30, 45 minutes to fall asleep, and they're just hanging out in their bed. And then of course, it can also look like waking up again in the middle of the night. So you might have a baby who is so beautifully sleeping throughout the night. um, And all of a sudden, now we're having some wake ups again. That's another good indicator. So those are some of the things that we will see, right, that would indicate there might need to be a shift in the schedule. Um, I think the beautiful part about working with parenting practice is as we go through that teaching period and before we kind of stop the program for that two or three weeks that we're working together, we really do um, an overview of how do you address your child as these needs and these changes come up because we do know, right, just professionally and personally that that's going to happen. So we want to ensure that our clients are prepared. Sleep is a journey, right? It's not linear in nature, just like life in general. Sometimes things will be beautiful and sometimes things will come up, but we're always capable of kind of observing our child and meeting them where they're at. But those are kind of overall some of the things that you would see and would potentially uh, indicate that a change would be necessary. Yeah, that's so supportive. And that's exactly where we are. (laughs) I'm like, check, 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 check. We're trying to transition to two naps. I was telling Paige before we started, that's where we are. And I know she's ready. She's been telling us. And we're just like in this limbo phase of the wake window and the getting up early and how do we do it. And now we have someone to call. And so it's like, 
you have this person in your corner and it's just been really personal too. And that's one thing I wanted to talk to is like holding these parents through this very stressful time. I mean, you are meeting people at their absolute worst. I mean, really. I mean, haven't slept, brand new parents, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, like postpartum depression. I mean, you name it. And I mean, Clay walked out of the house one day. It was not a pretty sight. And Paige just like coached us through that whole thing on speakerphone. And it was a really beautiful thing to have our space held for us, knowing, like you said, I said, this is her. She's going to do this tomorrow, you know? And I think that was my biggest takeaway with birth too is, you know, to you, it's this it's like, it's this huge experience, but to all the nurses walking around, it's like, they're going to do that tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And that's what they're doing right now. So to hear you say even 200 families, I'm like, Oh my God, there's 200 of us. Like how? And so I'd love for you to just share and speak to that piece of it and what the parents are really going through, because we talked so much about why this is so beneficial for our children and how just impactful having a sleep routine can be for a young child and their development. But what about for the parents? I mean, we felt so held and I feel a big focus of your method is on taking care of and holding space for like the emotional journey that the parents have to go through. And I mean, they're dealing with kids screaming sometimes night one and two, are not pretty. And I do want to say, though, you mentioned the two to three week training period. That's all it takes. And rapid transformation is possible, my friends. Like I scream that from the rooftops and it is possible for sleep. And so how do you, you know, hold people through in these vulnerable times and not like take it on? I would love to hear, you know, your self-care routine after (laughs) You know, even just putting you through what we did, you know, I feel like that might have even been minor compared to some things you've you've been yeah, through. You so. guys were great, honestly. <laughs> you were not the worst uh, by far, not even close. And in worst, I mean, just like the intensity that a family is feeling and needs the the utmost support from me, not by a long shot. So. I think first off, it comes down to how women are cared for during pregnancy and fourth trimester. I think that there is a real lacking sense of this is monumental. My whole life is about to change my body, my soul, everything. And then the baby comes and you're dropped like a rock into your fourth trimester. And all of a sudden, nobody's texting you. Nobody's showing up to your home. We don't have villages anymore. You're in, we're all in our own little boxes, doing our own little thing, praying that this is normal or calling our pediatrician for the hundredth time. We are not prepared for our fourth trimester adequately enough to care for these tiny little humans that come into our world. We are told to get the nursery set up. We are told you better buy maternity clothes. You better get a pump. And that's about it. And it's really not enough. And if you have the means to go out and pay for classes or additional support, I would highly encourage you to do so. And if you don't, what do those families do? That's It's just, it's set up wrong. So if you are currently pregnant and you are worried about your own sleep and your child's sleep when they do arrive, start there. Start now and do some research. Find a community. 
and get that support system going so that when baby arrives, you are able to maneuver through the care they need and your recovery in fourth trimester. And then I would say, speaking more towards your story, we try to meet all of our clients with where they are and not put a black and white plan out there just because Kepi's six months old. She fits in this bracket. That's why we have a questionnaire that's pretty detailed. And we really take our time going over that and then pulling our resources and creating a custom plan that fits for this family long term. Sustainability is key or this is pointless, right? And so I think that the first call I have with a family tells me pretty much everything I need to know. And then the questionnaire solidifies it. And sometimes on the questionnaire, I read it and I'm like, hmm, I didn't know any of that. That's really important for me to know. And so it's super helpful in that sense. And then when we are working together, my job is to hold that space for you to be your cheerleader, your guidepost, but also to hold you accountable. Because I do know where the finish line is. And I've seen it hundreds of times. And I, I know where your child's going to land just off of doing this so much. So it's my job to get you there however we need to get there. And we had a come to Jesus meeting. We did where I said, look, you guys, you either do this now or we're done because it's not fair to Kepi. Not because you guys weren't all in, not because of the program or Kepi in general. It was just because we were scared of where we were at in the moment. It was day nine and you said, give me till Saturday. And it was like a Thursday or something. And you were like, give me till Saturday. And you gave us this talk and you also helped me hold space for Clay when he was, because it's just, it's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And like to have somebody supporting you that, that cares just as much. Like I messaged you the first time she only did one night feed. Like I want to celebrate with you when she hits the 12 hour mark, which she has. And it's huge. And you care just as much. You're just as dedicated. And it's just how I feel with my marketing clients. Like I want their success and to have somebody else cheering on my baby's sleep, but now segueing to my sleep. Mm -hmm is so huge because when you mentioned, Lindsay, that it was a fear you had when becoming a mom, it wasn't a fear that I had because I've never slept. <laughs> but it was definitely a fear that my husband had. And I know it's a lot of fear. It, it's a fear a lot of people have is like, I value my te- sleep too much. I don't want kids or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think this just shatters that mm-hmm. because there's another way. And it's like, about leaning in. And it's just so amazing. And that opened the door for me to lean in. And you said on a call, well, what are you doing about sleep? And that's when you realized that I had never been sleep trained. Uh Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and you gave me a sleep plan. Mm -hmm. And I now have my own 30 minute sleep routine. You moved up my bedtime by three hours. I sure did. I hadn't gone to bed before midnight in, I don't know, since I was 16. Yeah, ever. And I now go to bed at nine o'clock and I have this 
system to soothe. And I want to talk about this because this is universal. And I think we're in a mental health crisis. We all know that. And sleep to so many of us is like so important and free and something we can do now. And yet we aren't prioritizing it. And so I just want to not talk about sleep draining for babies, but in general, like your sleep specialists, like this has to be contributing to our mental health crisis. Like what is going on? How can we help people sleep? If we're an adult that has trouble sleeping, if you have somebody in your life who has trouble sleeping because maybe you're an amazing sleeper, how do we help these people that are just unable to turn off because you've really helped me. And I want to speak to just the ability to self-soothe as humans, but specifically the benefits that sleep like has and continues to have on our development and why this is so important and, and how you help people in general with this. Yeah. First, I just want to say, hell yes, that you're still maintaining your early bedtime. I'm so proud. Like, I was like FOMO. I was like fear of missing out on what I don't know. And just like go to bed, go to bed. You're like turn your – just go to bed at 9 o'clock. Like, and you're you're pretty like strict, you know. You're like in bed, no phone. Mm-hmm. Like this is your routine, 9 o'clock. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's like it's I've needed somebody my whole life to just tell me to go to bed. Yeah. And I think too, speaking on that, that's the power with working with us here at Parenting Practice is we will tell you what's okay and what's not. And sometimes a mom just needs to hear like, you're doing a great job. Keep going. And that's all it takes. It's just a little encouragement. The encouraging part is if you kind of are listening out there just in terms of mental and physical health, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about sleep now. So a lot of research has pointed to sleep and how important it is for all system and aspects of our body. So you will even hear some doctors say, I'm just going to write my, you know, my patient a prescription for sleep, right? So it is something that's becoming more focused on in terms of the importance of sleep for all of us, no matter our age. So I do find that encouraging. I think that's super exciting and we're going in the right direction there. But I do also think too, just in our culture, right? We are such a culture of produce, 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 do whatever you have to do to be at the level or the that you want to be. And if you have to cut your sleep because of it, you cut your sleep because of it. Um, and that is unfortunate because we all know, again, what it's doing to our population mentally and physically. But there are definitely things, right? And you alluded to them, Krista, that as adults, we can do to help ourselves sleep. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that you can go to bed and wake up whenever you want right? And that is just not true. It's been shown time and time again, that having a schedule as an adult is as important as having a schedule as a child, right? So the more that you can get yourself on a routine where you're going to sleep and waking up at the same time, seven days a week, the better off you will be in terms of getting good quality sleep night in and night out. Um, Another big thing that you've touched on is bedtime routine, right? And just like we love bedtime routines, bedtime routines are the one thing we will tell every single parent to do from birth, right? From the first night you get home with your little one, you do a bedtime routine. And why do we do that? 
right? Because that is our opportunity to slow our bodies down and prepare them to go into slumber. And it's a great cueing mechanism. It's something that um, we can kind of get into a rhythm of. It's going to include the steps that we need to get comfortable and secure and ready to go to sleep. So just like children, it's the same thing that we can do as adults. I think right now a lot of adults will put their bedtime routine or their downtime to include things like looking on their phone or watching TV, right? Both of those things, especially they admit blue light which first and foremost is really not ideal for sleep because it shuts down your melatonin production. And ideally, right, we want to be letting our melatonin production get higher and higher and higher to the point where it's satisfying. Then we can go to sleep and it can get us to help us kind of go into slumber. So both using phones or using TV create issues there. But then also, right, we're not allowing ourselves to go through those different experiences to kind of come down off of the day. The other thing that's kind of interesting with um, falling asleep is that your body actually has to go down in body temperature. And so one of the things that we can really help get us into sleep is including some type of water experience in our bedtime routine, so a warm bath or a warm shower. That's what we do. We have our bedtime Um, I think, too, also just food, right? Intake, eating the right foods up until bed, watching your caffeine intake, right? We really shouldn't be having caffeine after 2, even noon for some people, right? So those are some of the big ones, I think, as an adult that a lot of times we're just not paying attention to or doing um, on a regular basis that's impacting sleep across the board. And I'll add on to that too a little bit. I think that speaking about food intake and water intake, we also need to be very vigilant of our vitamins and minerals in our bodies and having low magnesium, vitamin D, iron, and calcium play a significant role in sleep struggles that we get band-aids for. We'll just take synthetic melatonin or Ambien or get another prescription. I mean, they're The sleep industry for adults is a billion-dollar industry for a reason, folks. And (laughs) if you've tried all the prescriptions but you're still not able to fall asleep within 30 minutes of laying down and get at least an eight-hour rest, something is wrong. And I would deeply look into doing some testing about your vitamins and your minerals and start there. And I like the phrasing, it's a ritual for me. And that's the whole point of it. You're nourishing yourself. You're stepping back from the world. You're looking internally at your own needs. And the only way to do that as a mother or a parent is if we've already done this for our child within their bedtime routine. And we've met all those needs and we filled up all of their cups and now they're sleeping so you can have the space to do this for yourself. That's how I can show up and be a wonderful mother and spend time with my daughter and be the mom I want to be to her. Thank you so much. I can't think of a better note to really end on. I just think it's been so healing, I have to say, and I don't know if I've said this to you enough. It's healed my relationship with sleep and Learning Kepi also as a very calm, independent, content, easy to soothe kind of gal has been incredibly healing as well because 
it turns out that can come naturally. But for those like myself that it doesn't, there is routine, there is ritual, there is self-care, and it's just been so healing. And you're such a wealth of information. I cannot recommend following them on socials. I love your emails, like the melatonin bottle that you taught me about, like label your melatonin. I mean, there's, it's just, it could go on and on and on. If I just like focused on everything I learned, that would have been the whole podcast, but you gave me a language. Um, it's magnificent what you guys are doing. You're helping families, you're healing families. And I just want to say thank you. And it makes sense that your business is growing and booming because the product sells itself. You know, as soon as somebody experiences the product, you've got a lifetime, you know, customer and loyal raving fan, which is like the, you know, the secret to success is one happy customer leads to many and you have so many. So I just want to say thank you so much for this talk and this time. And I think and hope there's more to come because it's such a big topic and it's been so much more than sleep. I mean, you taught us about, you know, ounces and taught me about breastfeeding and myself about melatonin. I mean, it's just, thank you for the work that you're both doing. And I'm so excited to share this with people. So if you could just share the best place to find you, I'm definitely going to put it in the show notes, but for anyone that's like, I need this now, you can book a consult. Tell us where. So we can be found at um, parentingpracticeco.com. That's our website. And right there on the first page, you can easily click and book a call with Paige, myself, or anyone on our team. There are six of us that work for parenting practice. You can also follow us on our socials. So we do have an Instagram, Parenting Practice Co., TikTok under the same handle and Pinterest as well. And we would absolutely love to chat with anyone um, just to answer any questions that you have, talk a little bit about more about our program. Our first call is totally no obligation at all. We just want to hear your story and see if we can come alongside you and get all of you a little bit more sleep. Because as you know, we're passionate about sleep and we believe that everybody deserves good quality sleep no matter their age. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone listening, I love this episode. I know you will too. It's just so inspiring to see two people doing what they love, being in service, to doing amazing work, having success, you know, in your business, doing that. To me, that's like really the win-win of business. I like see people that are living their dharma. It's so clear that this is what you're supposed to be doing and we deserve to be prosperous in that. And so congratulations on all the success and for everyone listening, we'll see you next time. Keep growing.